0: Hey, everyone. The It's All Journalism team wanted to remind you that we have an email newsletter where you can get all the latest news about our podcast. Go to our website, itsalljournalism.com, and follow the link to subscribe. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.
1: That has been a challenge because sometimes it is easier to say, you know, they put a million dollars towards this. But making the stories just readable and digestible and understandable has been a challenge that I have to stay very cognizant of.
0: In 2021, Congress passed the American Rescue Plan Act, authorizing nearly $2 trillion to help states and localities through the economic uncertainties caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. How these public funds were used seems like the perfect subject for a local journalist to investigate. I'm Michael O'Connell. Welcome to It's All Journalism. Shelby Harris is a Carolina Public Press staff writer based in Asheville, North Carolina, one of the most beautiful towns in the world. She spent one year looking at how local governments were using American Rescue Plan Act funds, and she's here to tell us about it. Shelby, welcome to It's All Journalism.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you uh, get interested in journalism, and how'd you end up at the uh, Carolina Public Press?
1: Yeah, well, I actually studied creative writing in college and wanted to be a poet. (laughs) And then when I was a senior in college, I had to do an internship and I chose to do it at Jackson Free Press in Jackson, Mississippi. And I just kind of got this taste of how you could pair being overly passionate, which is how I am with being a decent writer. And then journalism was born for me. So I went to grad school for it and got a job at a small newspaper in rural Tennessee And then I worked for the Citizen Times here in Asheville for a little while. And then I found this job at Carolina Public Press. And government is what I want to cover. It's what I want to write about. So the opportunity to have a job solely based on covering government and government finance was the dream.
0: Wow. Yeah. And there's always always work for that. It's something that has to be covered and it needs to be covered. So tell me a little bit about the public press. I mean, is it strictly focused on covering the government, or is it sort of more of a general news website paper?
1: Yeah, so it's wholly online. It's a nonprofit profit news organization, which means we're all donor and grant funded. We do not just cover government, but I mean, that's a lot of it. I cover technically public service in Western North Carolina, but like you said, I'm working on this year-long project. I'm, I'm in it. So... <laughs>
0: currently happening. You're in it up to to your uh, neck. Anybody who's been doing uh, local news coverage in the last couple of years, they kind of understand, you know, American Rescue Plan Act funds and, and what they are. Can you sort of explain that for some people who may not be familiar with them and what it means to cover them?
1: Sure. Yeah. And I actually think a lot of people are not familiar with them and that's totally okay because it is a very complicated piece of legislation. And I think Journalists really need to go into it with that mindset that if people don't know what this is, that doesn't mean that they're uneducated or not paying attention. This is difficult stuff. So the American Rescue Plan Act is this massive multi-trillion dollar piece of federal legislation passed in spring 2021. The goal of this legislation was to pull the nation out of the wreckage of the pandemic and also prepare us should we have more shutdowns and lockdowns and things like that. And the way that the federal government did this was by dispersing these American Rescue Plan Acts to individual local governments and then also to the state to distribute. But I focus mainly on the allocations to individual cities and towns and counties in Western North Carolina.
0: Oh, okay, so you know, how big of area are we talking about?
1: So I covered the 18 westernmost counties of North Carolina. I mean, I could list all of them for you, but it's really just that region right here. I'm making a motion with my hand. Just the very western part of the state.
0: Okay, off in the mountains, towards the mountains. Mm -hmm.
1: So it's 18 counties, about like, I think there are about 60 towns and about three big cities.
0: Okay, so how densely populated is it? I mean, is it like a mix of rural, small town?
1: What a question. (laughs) Yes, so it is. A big mix of rural, small town, mountain areas and big cities like Asheville, big cities, I guess, is relative to what you think. But like Asheville and Morganton and Hendersonville, tiny rural areas, big rural areas, tiny cities, big cities kind of got a big mix. A lot of people impacted over here.
0: Okay, so, you know, how did this this project come about, this idea that, okay, this is something big. This is probably going to have a huge effect on our communities you know, whose idea was it? And, you know, once you were given this sort of go ahead, you know, what was your approach? How are we going to cover this?
1: Yeah. So it's, like I said, since we are a nonprofit organization, we we function on donors and grants. And a donor came to Carolina Public Press and said, we want somebody who's going to cover these federal funds in Western North Carolina. And they funded the project, this donor. And I don't, I don't like to think too much about who they are, because that has the potential to sway my reporting, you know, journalistically, I hope I would never. So we were approached, they said, here's money for this project, go fund a reporter. And here I am. I will say that I thought my editors were bananas, I thought they were out of their minds. I was like, there's no way I'm going to come up with 12 months of copy on this one funding stream. And boy, was I wrong. Because this is a very complicated piece of legislation. And it has been tricky to nail down at some points. Some places, bigger cities have established you know whole websites that kind of detail both their spending and their process. But for the smaller towns, which is the bulk of what I'm focusing on as I've taken this project into my own hands, they are not, first of all, not as keen on talking to media, typically. And secondly, they don't have these giant websites to list everything out. And so, The way that I typically go about that, you know, is picking up the phone and calling them and saying, hey, what have you spent your Harper money on? But if they don't want to talk to me or if that is too casual, I've spent a lot of time reading through meeting documents, town councils, city councils, and you just look for those trigger words. ARPA, ARP, sometimes American Rescue Plan Act. And if you're lucky, you can control F that, you know, (laughs) come up. But yeah, I've spent hours and hours just pouring through these meeting documents. And then I'll go back to the cities. And they're usually a little more keen on talking to me once I know what I'm talking about.
0: Is this controlled by the state? Is the state disseminating this? Or is it just strictly the locality and the federal government? It's just, it's coming that way.
1: So it's both. So the federal government, determined mostly by population, gave chunks of money to every, you know, township, municipality, county, directly from Treasury to them, and they decide how to spend it. But then states also got a big chunk that they got to choose how to spend it. So sometimes there's an overlap where the state's money also goes to these localities. Specifically, like I just wrote a story about, it's called the Rural Transformation Grant, and it's a big chunk of ARPA money that was designated by the state to the Department of Commerce, and then they accepted applications. So there are a couple kind of crossovers there, but I mostly am covering, or so far, six months in, mostly have done what goes directly to these localities from the federal government.
0: So you're saying, was it, did you say it was 16 Counties or am I 18, 18 counties? 18. And in those counties, probably there are municipalities, so there are more than 18 people or people, organizations, government entities that are controlling this. I, you know, I work in, um, you know, for Patch in Northern Virginia, I, I cover, you know, sometimes I cover county meetings and a couple of towns and cities in my, my beats. And certainly during the budget season, you heard a lot of we're going to use our ARPA money on this, we're going to do like uh, in the city of Fairfax they have a it's called a Q bus and it's they just made it so that they no longer had to they charged bus fares mm. to sort of get more people to use the bus and so now it's like we're going to use this ARPA money for the next three years to sort of this pilot program to see how many people will use the bus if they don't have to pay a fare
1: so wow. it, it's kind of interesting,
0: interesting. Yeah. yeah you know that's the way reporters who cover government because that's interesting it's a different take but you said you didn't think there were going to be stories here. So how quickly did you discover that there were stories to write?
1: Oh my goodness. First of all, like the second day of my job, I
0: dove in
1: and (laughs) I really dove in and tried to understand what this legislation was. And I approached my editor like the second day into my job and I said, can I please just do an kind of an FAQ story of this is what ARPA is. This is how it gets to its government well, I did it. And I think it like set the groundwork for my work. I'd go back to it a lot because I do get confused as we all do, but ARPA is complicated and there are lots of little ways to spend it. So I think very early on, first of all, when I realized how complicated the legislation was, but then, like you said, it's not just counties getting this money. So if there were 18 decision-making bodies, that would be easier. We've got you know, 50 plus townships, even if they're only getting $100,000, like that's a big deal to them. So I think when I realized, even in my little rural region, how many different bodies were making decisions with this money. And then I guess kind of further to the heart of it is how many people were going to be impacted by this money on different levels, like not just on the county level, but in their individual towns and cities the stories were just providing themselves. And I thought that I was going to do like, this is what Madison County is spending their money on. This is what the city of Asheville, but then there are little expenditures that are more interesting or that need more attention or that need a lot of attention. So some towns, I would say almost all my cities and towns are getting multiple stories because they're picking different ways every now and then I'll do like a this is how the town of Mills River is spending their money. But from the most part, I've also like grouped them and I've been like, these three entities are spending it on law enforcement and I do that. So I think I just thought it was gonna be more of a telling people how the governments were spending the money, but the stories have been more about the projects. And that's a lot of times different stories. So you can get three or four stories from one county.
0: Okay. So, and, and I'm trying to remember, obviously I did not go as, in, as deeply into ARP as you have, but I mean, what is sort of the scope of the types of projects they can do? Is it, can they build roads? Is it transportation? Is it infrastructure? Can Is it to promote business? Is it, yeah. you know, education? You said law enforcement. Is so it, all
1: it, of the above. Oh, okay. <laughs> there are technically four, I call them buckets of money that the treasury department said was An acceptable way to spend ARPA and that is infrastructure. So I think that's where the bus would fall into even because infrastructure is one of those words that means (laughs) I looked it up, I think when I was writing because I was I wanted to really break it down. And what did it say? Infrastructure is anything that helps a society function. I was like, well, that's everything.
0: Yeah. It's a great like brush to paint over everything. This is an infrastructure bill or whatever.
1: Right. So there's infrastructure. You can spend it on premium pay for essential workers. So that's not, we think essential, we think like EMS, but that can also be like county employees and stuff. And so that's the second bucket of money. Then you've got broadband expansion. That was a big one. And then the fourth one, which is the most complicated, and we could, we could use this whole time to talk about this, it's called the revenue loss bucket. And that basically means that town cities, counties can put up to 10 million ARPA dollars into their operating budget, even if they haven't experienced revenue loss, even if anything, they can just move it there and essentially spend it on anything they want. They still have to document and stuff for treasury, but that's what most people are doing. And they're doing it not in a dishonest way, but in a, this will offset, you know, like if we move $500,000 to our operating budget, that'll cover X amount of salaries and that'll clear up that money so that we can go fix this road. So I've seen... A lot of places do that. It's been really interesting to see the smaller towns are the ones doing the infrastructure projects. They're the ones really getting into water sewer, paving the roads and stuff. And that's obviously because it's not as expensive and it doesn't take as much time to do those things if you're a smaller town. But the bigger entities, the counties are using it. They're funding a lot of nonprofit organizations, which is a hugely acceptable thing because it's addressing all those social problems created by the pandemic. So they're using that a lot for that and lots and lots of places are using it for broadband expansion. So those are basically the four buckets of money. I've seen some really interesting ways. Like for example, I mentioned Mills River is this small town and they're using their money. I get to write the story this week and I think it's the most wholesome story. They're using their money to match SNAP benefits to be spent at the local farmer's market. But then I've seen other places like use it in different ways, for example, Jackson County here in Western North Carolina wanted to use their money to buy new body cams and tasers for their sheriff's deputies. And again, if you use that as revenue loss, there's pretty much nothing that we can do about that even though you would think, oh, that's not really directly related to the pandemic. But if they do it as if they pull as revenue loss, they can pretty much spend the money on anything they want.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things that I think has a lot of impact on people's lives, but probably most people don't understand that or or know that that's happening. You know, have you gotten a lot of feedback from, you know, readers or, you know, governments about any of the reporting you're doing?
1: I have a lot from readers and i'll talk to people who again say that they didn't even you know know what this money was and and the new york times published this article a while ago talking about how that's mostly because the projects are invisible so you've got water sewer we can't really see that happening so people don't know whereas when we got stimulus checks everybody could see that i get a lot of feedback from people who are either saying hey I I wish that the money would be spent this way instead or thanks for covering this this is important stuff the governments typically are very like responsive to my questions and things like that because there isn't really an unsavory way to spend this money legally but I wouldn't say they give me a lot of feedback but the community definitely my my inbox stays going off and my twitter is and it's, it's really beautiful to kind of see people engaged in federal legislation like this.
0: Yeah. Then again, it's this is federal re- legislation that's designed to have a, an impact locally, which isn't always the case unless it's like, you know, earmarked money or, you know, that your senator has gotten for your local road system. So what's been the hardest job of, about covering this? Or has it been hard?
1: Of course, well,
0: of course so, it's of, been hard. Of
1: course there's been hard. I mean, if it was easy... I don't know. I don't see how it could be. I would say the most the difficult part, obviously, as a journalist is when people don't respond to you or don't answer your phone calls. And then you're backed in the corner because you're thinking, I really would like to tell these people how their money is being spent, but their government won't talk to me. So that's been a a big challenge. I would say another challenge has been like really making this digestible and making this understandable because it would be really easy to just go like the jargony route with this coverage and stuff but I feel like that would minimize its impact if I was just, you know, using legal and government jargon. I try to make it as readable as possible. I try to make it I try to always lead with the narrative and like focus on the impact of the money rather than just, you know, hard news stories. So that, that has been a challenge because sometimes it is easier to say they, you know, they put a million dollars towards this, but making the stories just readable and digestible and understandable has been a challenge that I have to stay very cognizant of.
0: So are you finding in your approach to it that way? Is it, you know, I need to find the human element. I need to find somebody who's impacted by this or something new that's happened that's affecting a community, so that they can say, hey, you know, the next time you go and do whatever, that's because of ARPA money or something like that. Mm -hmm. Do you go out and try to find somebody who's directly affected by a particular ARPA spending? I
1: would love to do like door-to-door, old-fashioned journalism in that way with this money, but I do cover an entire region. what usually happens is when I speak with mayors or county commissioners, they know someone, or if it's, you know, an infrastructure project where they tell me where the sewer system's going to go, I can Google Maps that and find that business right there that's going to be impacted by this, these new stormwater drains. For example, I'm, I'm remembering I wrote, I interviewed the owner of an architecture firm in Brevard, which is in the rainiest county in Western North Carolina in North Carolina as a whole. And they're fixing their stormwater with ARPA. And so I Googled, you know, who was impacted and I just called him and I was like, how's this going to help you? So usually the governments will want to go ahead and connect me with people, but if not, I do the journals and I'll go on Social media and find if anybody's talking about it. It's a lot of nonprofits. It's a lot of, or the people who reach out to me who are upset that it's, because I always say a dollar of ARPA money spent on one thing is a dollar not spent on another thing. And in that way, there are always two stories, you know? But yeah, when people reach out to me, I always say, if you want to connect me with more of your friends or people that, you know, in other counties, it's just been a lot of word of mouth and establishing myself in this project to be able to find that human element for each of the stories.
0: Yeah. And, you know, certainly if money's going towards nonprofits, you know, like food banks or something like that, you can reach out to them and they're always good to tell you stories about the need. And a lot of them can bring out numbers and say, look, this is how many people we we had to feed last year. This is how many people we think are going to be feed next year. This is what we know is happening with the economy and how things are changing. So, I mean, it seems like such a great access to all different types of, of government stories. Is there any type of pushback or feeling of, you know, this is government, you know, this government money, we, you know, the government shouldn't be spending money on this. Have you ever had anybody say that to you?
1: I don't think as a, as a whole, anybody's ever expressed discontent with ARP as a whole. I don't think anybody's upset that they got this money. There was an option for governments to deny the money and not take it, but I haven't seen anybody do that.
0: Because <laughs> they don't want to be voted out because they right. know that if they, they don't take – we could get new roads, we could – Get more money for SNAP? Yeah, get that out it? of here.
1: But no, I do. I have this pipe dream of a story to talk to all the representatives in North Carolina who voted against this and see kind of what they think after, you know, a year and some change into it, you know, would you have? Why did you vote against, you know, just just kind of, I got to workshop that some more clearly.
0: <laughs> Do you know how many representatives from North Carolina did not vote for it or did not support it?
1: I don't, but I know that the two in my region voted against it. So, oh, okay. but I think that's interesting to think about.
0: Yeah, it is. And here you are talking up how great it is and showing all of the, you know, not how great it is, but just showing how it's being used, which in an odd way is, is positive, I guess. If you run it against any sort of, sense of mismanagement anything like that because that reared its ugly head
1: but that's a complicated question still because i mean i could say like personally if something seems i keep saying unsavory to me that's different and that's that has no place in the coverage because it's technically legal because there's a lot of wiggle room treasury gave them a lot of wiggle room and i think what people forget is that this money is not only to help us respond to the pandemic it's like to rebuild, you know? Yeah, to recover. And so, yeah. So I think people forget that and they're like, what does this have to do with COVID? But it doesn't have to deal with COVID. It's about making communities strong. And I always say that it's because, like, if I'm trapped at home again with my five kids and my husband that I've never spent, th- I don't have five kids or husband, but, and my husband that I've never spent this much time with, you better believe that my sewer better be working, you know? So that's what I always say. Not
0: going to go through that again.
1: <laughs> so I mean, I think obviously as a journalist we cover things that we personally think could have been, you know, you think, yeah, we could have spent a little more time on that, but but I mean as far as mismanagement, I don't really foresee any audits. I don't see anybody getting in trouble so far because I know that that happened a lot, even with previous COVID recovery money, but I mean, the treasury's rules is like 50 pages. So. Well, how far are you into the project? Six months. So I started in January. I'll finish in January. Oh my gosh. It's almost July. So almost seven months. And I cover other things here and there, but mostly this is where my brain, I've still got a lot to do. I was looking in my, list of towns because I have the dream of, of making sure that all these municipalities and towns and counties are covered, but I've got six months.
0: Let's talk a little about the nuts and bolts of this. I mean, you started the project, you said that you sort of gave this, you know, FAQ sort of set up as an explainer of this is what it is, it's something that you refer back to. You know, how are you planning stories? You know, do you have a map? Are you breaking down the cities and municipalities in different sizes or or categories of how they're using the, the money or or you are just not doing anything you're just like i'm what, what do i do today
1: uh, <laughs> no none of that And no, but i love that you asked that you can tell that we're both journalists because you're like what's the process the answer is a giant multi-tabbed spreadsheet
0: wow um, i yeah, expected the word spreadsheet beautiful. was in here somewhere
1: yeah, i'm so proud of her so i have all the counties broken down how much they've spent how much they got links to their decisions and then same thing for towns and cities and then just for each story you know there were two counties who were investing in in expanding domestic violence resources so I wrote about them in one story and it's easy with the spreadsheet to say okay Jackson County spent it on we're going to match this here so it's a long big spreadsheet I do have a map with, <laughs> with little uh, pins and such in it old-fashioned and then you see my whiteboard over there so it's a lot of keeping things very neat and clean and, and sometimes I do get overwhelmed and spend hours just reorganizing that spreadsheet because it has to be I mean that's like that's the ARPA <laughs> bible over here
0: are you envisioning maybe your spreadsheet or your map like being presented in some way as you get towards the end of this project
1: oh, wow I have not considered that, but it is used. It has been used for like data biz, putting in maps. Like I'll send that to, you know, the folks in charge of that. And they'll do that based on my spreadsheet. But as far as just, pu- I would love to do that. Just publish the spreadsheet. I would love to do that.
0: Do you have any, like, are there data sets that you can, you know, scrape or grab?
1: There are a lot, part of ARPO is that you had to submit reports and which reports are required of you is determined by how much money you've got. And obviously they're really delayed usually. So I haven't relied too much. And then there are other places like we have a county commission organization that has different data sheets and things like that. But I really haven't relied too much on those. I go directly to the county, directly to the meeting documents. And I obviously like fact checked all the data and stuff, but sometimes there can be gaps and it can be missing and you're pulling, you know, these expenditures from one county from this data source and then these from this. So it's, it's just easier to get them to just straight up send the documents that they're using.
0: Have you had the FOIA anything?
1: No, no, I don't think I've had to submit a formal FOIA.
0: Oh, that's good. That's always good. People talk about FOIA a lot, but sometimes if you, if you have a relationship, it's a lot easier, but sometimes you go to the the office, they'll just, if you ask them, they'll just give it to you, yeah. you know, especially something like that, that's public data. And then you know, they know that even if you ask for a FOIA, they're gonna have to hand it over anyway. So
1: yeah, no, it's I always,
0: you know, one of those things is reporters that, you know, sometimes it's like incredibly easy and other times it's needlessly difficult. So I know.
1: And, and it's always frustrating because you're just like, I'm going to get it eventually. Just please just give it to me. But yeah, no, I haven't had to, what a blessing.
0: What have you enjoyed about this this project so far?
1: I mean, this has just been <laughs> I can't even like describe because I wrote a column last week actually that explains like what it meant to me because I feel like I've really gotten to like play a hand in assisting people to participate in government because I've taken this really complicated thing that it would be so easy for decision makers, people who wield great power keep under wraps and spend however they want but i said not so fast and so i was always you know work for newspapers hard news and i feel like i've gotten the opportunity to connect people to these really important decisions because it's not easy for governments to engage the community in money-making decisions and obviously a lot of times they don't want to do that because it takes a lot of work and then they don't get to spend it how they want but you know, I've had so many people call me and say, I, I just got off the phone with the county commission office and stuff. And I'm like, yes, engage with your local government. So I can't even like describe like that's what I've always wanted was the people to engage with their government. And I feel like I've assisted in that. So that's definitely the highlight.
0: So what's on the horizon here? You said, you know, now we're seven months into it or almost seven months into it. Where do you hope to be in January?
1: Well, I'm going to keep going with all of the towns and cities and, and updates, but I would like to dive more into the state funds that have been appropriated towards this area because the state, I told you about the rural transformation grant, things like that. So the state money that's coming here, I would like to look more into that. I know that North Carolina's budget hasn't passed yet, but from what I understand, there was a piece of it where commerce Department would be able to hire some ARPA manager or something like that. So just looking more into the state side of it and localizing that.
0: This has kind of been kind of fascinating. What would you, you know, recommend? I mean, obviously, hopefully the reporters who are listening to this and haven't done any ARPA reporting, shame on you. But you know, what would you recommend if somebody says, oh wow, maybe I should look into this for my communities?
1: Oh, you should absolutely look into this. I just can't beat that home enough. I was talking earlier about how easy it is for governments or for powerful people to make decisions in the dark if the com- community isn't involved. And the way the community is involved is through us. Like it's through the journalists. So not only will you find a plethora of stories, but I think it's like accountability journalism and it's, well, at least for me at its peak, I've been able to directly like, look how this money has been spent and tell the people and then the people have gotten mad or the people have celebrated and so you definitely need to cover it if you haven't and when you cover it make sure that it's you know understandable to the people that it's impacting don't write an academic article like it just kills me not that I've read a lot but you know like really rigid like stuffy I'm like come on this is for yeah yeah but I feel that not always, but just especially for this money, because it's so hard to understand.
0: Sometimes when you get a little deep in the weeds and, and you get sort of your your head filled with this type of reporting that you forget that it actually has a, a human impact.
1: Right. And you get or you get caught up in the numbers. Oh my like, God. That's a yeah. really hard thing for me is not to just like spreadsheet them out. You know, <laughs> like, I'm like, they don't care about this. See like, the numbers. Impact. Yep. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, $4 million, duh. Right. you know, they're not like
1: me that gets butterflies from data. So we can make <laughs> it digestible. Well, it
0: sounds like you found it. You found a good spot for yourself. And it sounds like a fun project to do. And it's great that you got this going on. Shelby, thanks for coming on the podcast. This is great.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, SoundCloud